You're listening to Breaking the Silence, a podcast by Reach 10, where we're creating a culture of courage, compassion, and connection to overcome the shame, silence, and fear that often surrounds topics such as sexuality and pornography. We're your hosts, Chriselle Simons and Creed Orm. Welcome back, listeners. We are so excited to be breaking the silence today with our friend, Smith Alley, who is our youngest person on the podcast yet. We're stoked about that. He's 17 years old. He's in high school, and he is the founder of the Live Life Bigger Foundation, which we're stoked to learn about. And he is really awesome. So without further ado, Smith, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on. Like you said, my name is Smith Alley. Uh, I'm 17 years old and I'm a junior in high school. Very normal kid. I'd say I play lacrosse. I like to hang out with friends, like to work on cars, motorcycles, everything like that. I'd say I'm a pretty normal kid, but like other normal kids, I, you know, have a story with pornography like most people do. And it's something that I'm passionate sharing about. And so I'm just so grateful to be here, to be able to share my story, spread a little light, you know, whatever I can do to make other people feel less alone, whatever I can do to make other people feel like they have a safe place. I'll do that. So thank you guys for having me on. Of course. Awesome. We love having people on who contribute to this culture of openness, compassion, and those who are willing to share their stories. So we really appreciate you coming on, telling our listeners a little bit about yourself. And so what is the Lift Life Bigger Foundation? Where do you want to start your story? Talking about the foundation, maybe talking about your story leads up to the foundation. I'll just start from the beginning and then we'll work into like what I'm doing now. So I have a couple friends who are substance abuse. What's that called? Their drug addiction recoveries. Is that a good, I don't Turn know. recovery. Yeah, they're in recovery. And we always talk about like, what was the root of our problems with addiction? You know, for them, it was substance, it was heroin and stuff like that. For me, pornography. And what was the root of that? And what we've been able to find is that it all started from a lack of self-love. And for a lot of us, we had some problems in elementary school. So when I was a little kid, I had this terrible stutter. And my mom told me that I'd be so excited to tell her something and I'd grab her face and I'd be trying to tell her a story and I'd squint my eyes and I'd squint my eyes and um, try to get these words out, but I couldn't, I couldn't speak. And then, you know, you go to school and kids don't know better. So they're mean. And quickly I realized that stuttering wasn't normal and that it was something that I would be made fun of. And so going through having this stutter, getting bullied, going through speech therapy, they're turns a time where the kids don't have to make fun of you anymore because you're already making fun of yourself and you have those insecurities. And so by fourth grade, my, my stutter's better and kids don't make fun of me, but I'm insecure about myself. I don't think I'm worthy. I don't think I'm worth it. And then when I was nine years old, I had gotten this Android tablet for Christmas and I was on, on the internet and I clicked on a website that wasn't what it appeared to be which led me to being exposed to pornography and my parents were like the strict parents and my parents were the parents who talked to us about pornography. And we already had those conversations. I knew what it was. 
everything like that. And, you know, still we had talked about when you see pornography, this is what you do. And so I turned my tablet off, but I was so ashamed of what I had seen just because there's that culture of, oh, you did something wrong and making mistakes isn't acceptable. And so I didn't tell my parents about the experience. And then a year, a year and a half later, when I was 10, 10 and a half years old, I started using porn normally. It was that small fix to everything that I was feeling and dealing with. And quickly it became something that I was heavily involved in. And quickly it became an addiction really and early too, very early in my life. So by the time that I was 12, I remember thinking like, oh, this is actually a problem. And I thought this because I'd wake up, watch porn before going to school, come home, watch porn, do my homework, play video games, watch porn before dinner. And then I'd, I'd leave the dinner table early to go watch pornography again. And that's when I realized that like, I can't even sit down at the dinner table with my family long enough to not watch porn. And I'd rather step away from the dinner table to watch pornography. And that's when I realized that this is something that's taking over my life. And it continued to get worse and worse. And that paired with this insecurity from when I was younger, I'm just feeding that insecurity. And then I got social media, Instagram, Snapchat. So I'm comparing myself to the picture perfect lives that we see on there. Struggling a lot with anxiety and depression. And then eventually towards the age of 13, 14, I'm struggling with suicidal thoughts, viewing pornographies five to six, sometimes seven, eight times a day. It's just a lot of that. And you can only go so far. Porn I see as kind of the gateway drug, a lot like weed and substance abuse. And that's because it's all going to lead to something more. And it's all going to lead to something more hardcore. And so eventually it, it did have to go off the deep end. Wow. Smith, I, I'm really fascinated by this idea that you mentioned early on in your story so far of how we become our own bullies. That eventually we don't need other people to bully us. Like that becomes what we just do naturally. And I think that that's so interesting because I think that happens to almost everyone if not yeah. everyone at least me like i totally see that in my life where I, I became my own bully and i'm just interested to hear about how you've stepped away from those patterns of being your own bully you know yeah i mean we always say we're the biggest critic of ourselves but i think it goes farther that we're the biggest bully of ourselves too i watched something the other day that said everything in life teaches us that it's not okay to make mistakes and then I saw another video of this entrepreneur talking about when they sat down for dinner each night, her dad would say, what have you guys failed at today? And if they hadn't failed at something, then he was disappointed. If they hadn't made a mistake, then he was disappointed because if you're not failing, you're not learning new things, you're not trying new things, you're not trying to better yourself. But when it comes to being the biggest critic for ourselves, being our biggest bullies, I think that it does happen with everyone and it's because we're all human. We don't know how to love purely, which is very unfortunate because if we could all love purely, then it would be a very easy life that we lived in. But when we have to look at ourselves and we know every single flaw about ourselves, we know every single mishap, everything that's wrong with ourselves, every imperfection, whether it's behaviorally or mentally or physically, we know everything wrong with ourselves, but we oftentimes only see the good about other people. And therefore, naturally, we start comparing ourselves to other people. And then there's that thought of, well, why can't I be that? 
And why can't I be them? And why aren't I like them? So that thought, I think, is what snowballs into us being the bigger bully of ourselves. And unfortunately, I think it's what leads a lot of teens into that depression and eventually suicide. We've seen teen depression and suicide rates just skyrocket since social media. And social media has just enhanced that thought of us comparing ourselves to other people. And so I think that with those two things, we're just making that worse and worse. And when we put more shame and more mistakes, whether that's watching pornography or substance abuse, whatever that is, when we add on to more of that, we're just going to become bigger bullies of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. And that was my thought with that is I was like, wow, this whole idea of us becoming our own bully is the worst because we know where our biggest pain points are. And so we just exponentially make that so much worse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Really sucks. Really sucks. So I wonder what you have personally been working on or what's been personally helpful for you with regard to not just recovery from pornography, but recovery from this bully mindset as well. What would you say to those who are currently in the thick of it? What are some of your your tips for that? Yeah, I think that I think that there's three super simple things to do to get out of any one of these mindsets. I think that there's three simple things to do just to make your life better, whether you're watching porn, whether you're bullying yourself, whatever it is, there's three super simple things that you have to do. I'd say that the first one is that you have to create habits. The first one is that You have to create a schedule. When you take these things away, when you take pornography away, you have to replace that with something beneficial to yourself that's building you up. You know, if you're bullying yourself, you have to build a foundation on how to judge yourself. So if I don't like myself, then every day I'm going to do six things that make me like myself. For example, I'm a religious person. So every day I'm going to read my scriptures. I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to do some sort of writing activity where I'm writing to God, writing to myself, journaling, whatever that is. I'm going to do three other things that make me like myself. If I don't like my body, I'm going to go out every day and I'm going to work out. If I don't like one of those things about me, I'm going to go out and I'm going to make that a goal. When you create a, a schedule around that, when you create a structure, then you have something, you create a new person and you can base yourself off of that. And that's the other thing is, I believe that we're judged by the desires of our heart. And so if you're trying, you're doing good. If you're facing the right way, you're doing good. And it's okay to move backwards. It's okay to have those days where you fail, as long as you continue to try and even just face the right way. Smith, I love this. And way to go. Way to be so proactive about finding stuff that you want to like about yourself. Yeah, like I was telling you before we started recording, I've had mono this last weekend. And we we're talking about how it's just the absolute worst. And <laughs> worst. on Sunday, my mom was like, well, you have to wear a mask at school anyway, so you might as well go to school still. And so on Monday, I woke up and I'm like, my muscles are tired. I just want to lay in bed. And I got up and I go to school. And I, me and my friend were going to his house for lunch. And I looked at him and I said, you know what? I am very proud of myself for just coming to school today. And yes, I might have fallen asleep in second period, but I'm here, you know, and I drove myself to school this morning and I'm proud of myself for that. And he kind of gave me a weird look. <laughs> He's okay, buddy. But yeah, it's just that fact of like, you have to be able to build those habits that you love. Well, Smith, if you don't mind, I'm just going to interject this theory. 
So this actually is a whole theory and frame of thought in therapy. And that is that self-efficacy is what it's called. As we have, as we build self-efficacy as our belief in our ability to accomplish things, the more we can accomplish things, right? Yeah. And so sometimes I think that we set this bar so high. In order to be a successful person, I have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and Z times that by like five things, then I'm a successful person. But if we can bring that down and just be like, I'm a successful person because I'm proud of myself for showing up to school. Yeah. And I love that. And we have to be real with ourselves on that, which is kind of the second thing, which is, I think it's so important, so crucial to redefine love, happiness, and success and what those mean to you. I think for so long, I, as a kid, I just wanted to grow up and I wanted to get rich and I wanted a fast car and I wanted to turn back and show all the people that doubted me, everything like that. And when I realized that the one thing that I didn't have in my life or felt like I didn't have, which was love, when I realized that is all I really wanted is to have love and be able to help other people and show them that they're loved. When I realized that that is what love and happiness is to me and having that love in my life, having people that love me, having people that I can serve and help and make them feel loved. That is happiness. That is success. But you can have all the money in the world, but there there are a lot of sad millionaires out there and they're sad because they don't have that love and they don't have that service and they didn't orient themselves on that. So I think, yeah, I, th- I think that's one of the most important things. I really like this thought because no one can determine what love, happiness, and success for ourselves is we do need to be the ones that determine that if we just take someone else's definition we'll we'll probably just be running around in circles throughout our life trying to seek after this unobtainable goal so i love that so you mentioned you redefine love what do you define love as and success and happiness for yourself right now i think that success and happiness is having love and helping others those are the two things that i base it off of the most and being able for me to have unconditional love for other people. And then the second thing is having people in my life who will always have my back. And this is why I was friends with Colin Karsner before he died. And I'm big into like the Snapchat sucks idea because I think having genuine relationships in my life, people who will always drop whatever they're doing. If I need help, having those kind of relationships in my life is love And then there's also the idea that just like being able to love myself and being able to sit with myself for an hour or 30 minutes and not have to do anything because I'm uncomfortable, but being able to just be comfortable with myself alone. I think that's a sign that I love myself. So I think those three things are super important to me. Awesome. Thank you for describing that. And so what is this third tip that you have? Yeah, the third tip I went over a little bit, and that's just because it is to serve. Because I I truly believe that when you serve other people, when you love other people, you have the ability to look through God's eyes. And as an example, I had a friend who showed up at my house one night at 2 a.m. and she was going to kill herself. And she got this feeling that she needed to come see me first and that she needed to come say goodbye to me. And I just gave her a big hug. And as I wrapped her in my arms, I like, I felt God's love for her and this amazing love. And it led me to now I can look through those same eyes in a sense 
through that same perspective at God's love for me. And when you're able to serve, when you're able to have that unconditional love for other people, you can realize that that same love is offered for you. And so in that sense, you can not only love others, which is super fulfilling, but then you can love yourself. So beautiful. Smith, I'm just so impressed with who you are becoming through this journey. And I'm curious as to, you told us a little bit about your story. What was the big turning point for you and how have you found these incredible principles? How'd you come to them? Yeah. So as I was telling you, my porn addiction got really bad at 14 years old, super depressed, anxious, just putting on masks and masks. I was really good at putting on masks, not letting people know what I was feeling or what I was dealing with. And so curiosity from pornography led me into a short-term relationship with a girl that ended with her having false accusations against me. And because of that, everything came out with my parents and um, with my family. So I remember I was in eighth grade and my parents came and picked me up from school and I was able to, we talked about how the police had called them. And so that kind of our day blew up and my world turned around that day. And it was the defining moment in my life because that was the day that I could have either put my head down and just kind of victimize myself and continue to do what I was doing and kind of just shy away from the challenges. But I decided to put my head up and try and become a better person. So I joined a recovery group. I started being a therapist, had to sort out these legal issues, everything like that. But soon enough, what at first seemed like my world falling apart and what at first seemed like a challenge that I would never overcome has been my greatest refiner's fire. And I've been able to pull out so many strengths from that. And that has been a defining moment in my life thus far. And it's given me so many opportunities in the sense that it's given me so many trials to overcome. And it's given me the opportunity to be vulnerable and it's given me the opportunity to come out and say that I'm, I'm flawed and I make mistakes and stuff like that. You bring up such an amazing principle that I love and I found it first through Brene Brown, who we often quote because we, we love her principles, but that is owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. And so I got to say that is so brave of you, Smith, to have owned your story when it probably came out in such a way that you did not hope or expect, but you decided to turn that around to just own it, but then just use it as a driving force to love yourself and then help others, which I think is amazing. So well done with that. I just think, boy, I'm so glad you were able to do that as opposed to just being more alone, more secluded, more secretive. Boy, that, that would have been rough. So with you becoming more public with your story and such, you decided to start the Live Life Bigger Foundation, right? So yeah. how did that really come about? And what do you strive to do with that organization? Yeah, so when I got to a point where I felt like I was in a good spot, I started to just help friends at first some kids that I met at EFY, my lacrosse teammates, people like that, you know, bring them to my same recovery group. So it just started like that. And then I decided for my Eagle Scout project, do a fireside for my my church group. And over 200 people came to that. And I spoke at that. And then 
when COVID hit, I decided that I wanted to quit my job at Chick-fil-A and start a business. And so I did that, started my company, Protect Strong, helping parents with tech needs. I then met Colin Karchner, spoke with him a little bit, became good friends with him. And when he passed away, it lit a fire under me. And I decided that I wanted to try and help fill his shoes. And so I started the Live Life Bigger Foundation. We're hoping to continue to speak to schools, church groups, youth groups, put out content, podcasts, everything like that, newsletters, blog posts, things like that, where we can give parents the help that they need, where we can create an environment where kids feel safe, where kids are vulnerable, where everybody is vulnerable. And so I've been speaking to schools, um, speaking to church groups. I've been able to travel across the West Coast so far, speaking to people. I've spoken to almost 100,000 people, which has been amazing. And so just being able to be there for kids, I believe that there's a unique environment when me being 17 years old, I can step in front of a group of 14, 15, 16, 17 year old kids. And I can say, I know where you are because I'm here too. And let's talk about how we can be better together. And having done that, having been able to look those kids in the eye and talk to them after this wall behind me, it's full of thank you notes. Being able to be there for those kids, it's been amazing. I know that where I was years ago, I wish that I would have had some help from someone who I felt like understood me. So we're just trying to be that cause for other teenagers and then also a help for parents. That was going to be my follow-up question was, what has been the response? And boy, I, I can see it right there with those thank you letters that what you're doing is amazing. You are so correct that because you're at that point in your life where you can really talk face-to-face with these teenagers be at the same level as them, that's going to impact them a lot. Any other thoughts about their responses? What what have you seen been happening? Because of you owning your story, talking about this, you've been doing a lot. Yeah, there's, there's been a big response of, I think there's a lot of hope in that. And there's a lot of hope of, I think kids a lot of the times feel like, well, my parents are helping me because they have to help me. They're my parents. So when I look in the eyes and Tell them, hey, I'm not going to give up on you. Let's work on this together. Let's become the people that we want to become. Let's stop dreaming and let's start doing. I think there's a lot of hope there. I know that I've seen that hope and I've seen that change. And I've seen the realization as it dawns on kids that like they can be whatever they put their mind to if they're willing to work for it. And if they're willing to own up to their mistakes and be vulnerable and do the things that they need to do and create habits, create a schedule, do all of these things. And there's been so much positive feedback from that. And there's been so many happy endings that I've seen already. I mean, I told you about this friend who came to say goodbye to me. I just, I think it was three days ago, I got a text from her and she just said, thank you so much. I'm in a much better place and I don't think you can realize how much of that I, I owe to you. And I said, well, I'm just a tool in God's hands. And I hope you'll be that tool as well for other people, because you have a unique story and you can change as many or more lives than I can. And he replied with a picture of her and her friend that her friend has been struggling a lot. And she said, I'm already two steps ahead of you. And so just that thought of if 
if I can be one doer and if I can just handle being a doer and helping people and that creates other kids who are willing to take action and who are willing to help other people, that's where the change starts. And, you know, I won't lie at a lot of times, there's a lot that just makes me want to quit. And there's a lot that is really hard and a lot of work, but every time that I stick with it, I get a payday where everything is worth it and everything has paid off. And so I think there's been so much good feedback, so much hope, so much inspiration that I've seen. And a lot of the time I look at our world and I say that it's crazy and that I don't know how much longer we can go, but there are these times where I see this hope and I see this inspiration and I'm inspired that we can keep going and we can make this world a better place. Smith, I'm so inspired by you and you've made my world a better place. And and thank you for sharing your story and for being such a light for people. I think it's so amazing because one of my favorite things is to hear people's stories. So thank you. Thank you for being willing to be brave, to be vulnerable, and for showing up for people in such a beautiful and impactful way. Yeah, thank you. I, I mean, it's been a blessing on my part as well. And what's really awesome is that you've given us and our listeners three great tips for recovery in any aspect of our life. And I love that you're not just saying those things, but you're actually doing it too. I mean, we see that with all you're doing, your foundation, you built a business, say what? (laughs) And texting people, being a listener, speaking also, you're just doing a lot. So thank you very much for being that example and symbol to so many others. So any final thoughts or anything that you want listeners to know or any takeaways that they should have? Yeah, you don't have to start big. And I didn't start big. Nobody who's doing a lot started big, but it's just those small things every day. And to feel confident and feel hopeful about them, don't feel fearful, but just start doing small things to help others every day. Start doing small things to love yourself every day. Start with those baby steps and then continue to grow, continue to help people and always dream a big dream and live life bigger. Awesome. I love it. And listeners, we're going to link his Instagram and some of these resources that he has mentioned in our show notes because we can't get enough of what you're doing, Smith. We want more of it. This is so great. We want to share the incredible things that you have going on with everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Breaking the Silence by Reach 10. Help us create a new culture of connection by sharing what you heard today with at least 10 people. Please help us reach more young adults by going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Reach 10 is a nonprofit. You can help support this podcast by donating on our website and following us on social media. We share these views to open the dialogue on these tough issues. We are not professionals, and the ideas shared on this podcast should not be taken as professional advice. The opinions and views that our hosts and guests share do not necessarily reflect the views of Reach 10, and we don't guarantee the accuracy of any statements you hear. Reach 10 is not responsible for your use of information heard on this podcast. We keep learning and invite you to join us as we build a more open, compassionate, and courageous culture.